What's up everyone, it's Antonio here, aka Hypecaster, and you are listening to the Starfield Explorers podcast. Thank you to all of our listeners, all of our supporters, and all the like-minded Starfield fans out there. We want to hear from you. Be part of the show and leave a comment or a question under the show posted on YouTube. You can find Starfield Explorers at youtube.com slash megateds in the podcast section. I'm Hypecaster, and welcome back to the Starfield Explorers podcast. Thank you to everybody who's listening. We are a podcast all about Bethesda Game Studios' most ambitious RPG of all time. You can find me and the rest of the team at megadads.org or megadads on YouTube. But enough of all that, let's get right to it by introducing my co-host today, my best bud, Clay Howard. What's up, Clay? What's up? Hello, hello. You complete me, Clay. Mm. I don't know if you ever heard that. I just came up with it off the cuff. Very cool. David Jones, the navigator himself, king of the cosmos, guru of galaxies far and wide. How are you, David? I'm doing fantastic. I'm you're so full of nice things to say. I like I'm it. Pr- I'm so proud of you. This uh, Stop the podcast. We have something to say. David has a very important achievement he'd like to share with the class. David, what game did you recently roll credits on? Are we talking about Persona 5 Royal? About 117 hours to credits. 117 hours. That's some weeb nerd shit if I ever heard it. I love Persona <laughs> 5. I started it um, twice, didn't finish it. I think I got like 30 mm-hmm. hours in both times. But congratulations. I'm shocked, I'm shocked I, life, that you wouldn't finish an RPG. Life, life came up. I don't roll credits on games. <laughs> that is true. But you deserve all the recognition for that. That's a big deal. Rolling and credits on any game I think is... Really cool. Mm -hmm. It's an achievement. So that's great. Thank thank you. (laughs) If you're new to the show. I played the video game. Yeah. yeah. Until the credits. All right. Yay. If you're new to the show, welcome again. Thank you. Every episode we discuss a particular topic about um, Starfield or now in the pre-release era. We're going to dive deep into Bethesda Game Studios and talk about some things that are on our mind. So long story short, we keep things short and sweet. Um, We're again coming to you pre-launch so today we're going to be talking about um what makes bethesda game special but before that david engage the hyperdrive engaging isn't that you're supposed to say something if the captain tells you to engage the hyperdrive aren't you supposed to say something back i i i or something i'm not I'm saying engaging. Anyway, Hi, Captain. Yes, Captain. 
Welcome to our light speed segment. It's a, a very quick get to know you icebreaker. And I wanted to ask my co-hosts, um, what's their favorite game of all time? The reason we talk about this is you have to know our character. You have to know where our mind's at. You know, you can't just trust what anybody on the internet says. Any talking head is just speaking at you. They could be crazy, all right? You gotta know, are they of sound, mind, and spirit? So what do you like? I'm gonna start with you, David. What's what's the, your favorite game of all time? You know what? I'm gonna challenge you because I know you're not ready for the question, so I'm gonna ramp it up. Can you give me top three? Uh, it, there's so there's so many. Um, I, I'm very partial uh, to the original Donkey Kong Country. That's one game that never, never, ever gets old to me. Uh, I don't care what anyone says. It's still my favorite out of the three. Um, Perfect Dark for N64. Uh, amazing game. And the, the third slot, it's it, it, it becomes harder. There's like th three or four different things I'd want to put there, like Banjo-Kazooie, Mario 64, or Grand of Time. Um, it gets harder when you're trying to put yeah, it in the slot. Yeah, it's harder. Yeah, yeah. happens. <laughs> and then there's even some of the PlayStation titles that were really um, impactful to me, like, like Metal Gear Solid and Final Fantasy VII. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Not bad. Ratchet and Clank series. Man, there's a lot. <laughs> well, you're a big Rare fan, you know, along with Clay. You guys mm -hmm. have done, you know, a podcast, Rare-centric, um, Rare and Friends. So very interesting. Go and check it out. It's on the Internet Archives. Dust, <laughs> dust, dust it off. Listen to that. Clay, favorite game of all time? Well, David took mine. Uh, Are you it was serious? Gun Country. Yeah, really? it always has been. And I, I feel like it's not been David's always, but out of nowhere, he, he threw that out there. So Interesting. I, oh. I'll have to respect it, and I'll have to switch to something else. Uh, I'm going to say uh, <laughs> favorite game of all time, not Donkey Kong Country. I'll give you top three. Uh, Minecraft, Bioshock Infinite, and Apex Legends. So... Not including Donkey Kong, that would be my top three. <laughs> we we played a lot of Apex Legends. You still do, you know. I fell off, but we must have. Well, how many hours would you say you have a, in Apex Legends? Oof. Yeah, I haven't looked in a while, but over three hundred, I would guess. It's got to be more. Yeah, pro it, probably even it's, more. Than it's got to be more. You're you're grinding out on that game. If you remember Shadow Launch, all of a sudden, EA was like, "Oh, here's a real solid." You know, departure from the main mm. Titanfall-type stuff. You know, a spin on it, but with, you know, new shoot first-person shooter mechanics with, with skills. Mm -hmm. And it just worked out. It, it, it was, it's been a big battle royale, right, when the craze uh, started. My favorites would mm -hmm. probably be uh, Final Fantasy VII. It got me into RPGs before I knew what they were. I like, some of those, like, cinematics were just mind-blowing mm -hmm. for the time. And That's such a you didn't game. see it. And then the music, to this day, it probably rivals any other game. Like, as far mm -hmm. as, like, Cosmo Canyon, like, the opening thing. I get chills. Like, every now and then I'll listen to any rendition of people doing Final mm -hmm. Fantasy VII music. Like, an orchestra or a cover, you know, played with any instrument, whether it's, like, guitar, piano, or, or whatever. It's just amazing. Um... Uh, something that kept coming to mind, which is maybe surprising to people, is Prey by um, Arcane Bethesda, right? So this was a set in space. It was a, a first-person adventure game 
and it was just like, kind of like Metroidvania layout where you're in a space station and unlocking different areas as you unlock abilities and fighting aliens. And um, it was just a really great, amazing game, and not a lot of people played it. Uh, it's along the lines of things like Deathloop and other games um, that didn't really get the credit. Dishonored would be in that group. Like, fantastic gems of the people who played it, love them, but then everybody else, it just didn't kind of catch on universally. And then, yeah, I have to put Halo 2 in there, online multiplayer, uh, groundbreaking for the time. First time I was fighting against other people and saying, can I outskill you? Um, and then Super Mario World, it just one of my favorite games. Put a lot of... That's a good one. Put a lot into it. Great, great style. So now you know, people. Are we crazy? You let us know in the comments what's your favorite game of all time. It matters. It never gets old, too, because some people whip out something stupid like Donkey Kong Country, and you're like, what? I can't believe it. Like, why? And now, getting to our main topic here today, Bethesda Magic. Guys, what makes Bethesda games special or unique? What makes them great? What's the pedigree of Bethesda? Clay, what do you think? All right. Well, just to get the obvious one out there, just to start off, uh, I think I think a big reason Skyrim is what it is, is the ability to explore, uh, having a, a super large map that you can go out and set out, even ignoring the mainline storyline, going out and finding new and exciting things to do. And it's not just an empty world full of nothing. There's plenty to do. There's people to interact with. There's real-time events happening where you can run up on people getting robbed, uh, people setting traps trying to trick you, um, locations to discover, things to see. And so I think that's a big part of it, and that's obviously something uh, with Starfield that they're talking about, how there's so many thousands of planets, and, and the question being, you know, can, can they actually make these planets feel alive and feel you know not empty and not barren and stuff and so so i think that's a that's the main one you got to get out of the way uh, to start off is just the expansiveness and the the way that they make a world feel truly alive it's at the top of my list i mean not only is it the map especially with you know skyrim and oblivion and, and the like like stick out to me where at first glance, it's like, wow, this map is huge. Uh, and you know that if you walk five minutes, you know, not even, like, in any direction, you're going to find something, a landmark, you know, dungeon, whatever it is, and something's going to happen. You don't know what it is, but it's it's the unexpected, too. So not only is the map on my list, but the randomness of it. Sometimes you'll go back and you'll be able to compare stories with someone. They play the same game. But because there was that freedom of the map, they decided to go that way instead of that way. And you may not see that for 100 hours because, you know, when it takes you, it takes you. And then you're like, oh, a bear just randomly came out and ate the thief who had just was just trying to rob me. So, like, I'm getting held up and all of a sudden, boom, grizzly bear out and just starts attacking us both. And I think stuff like that, that randomness of what you can find in the world is is really key. And I have the same thought as you. It's like you look at the map of like anywhere in Skyrim or you know Oblivion, 
what is the map and not in like probably a city, but what kind of effect can they do when you have Starfield and this idea of planets and, you know, you have to travel to get there. There's big swaths of wide open space everywhere by nature in, in you, most space games. So I don't know if they could do it, but high on my list is the randomness. You may experience in this big map, you may experience things that other people didn't. The, if you do a quest, somehow, some way, and I think this is a uniquely Bethesda thing, if you go into a dungeon, the exit is like ends up being somewhere else. And then you come out and you're like, whoop, now I'm here. And now I see another landmark that's too good to pass up. And then depending on which way you travel, you just get like, you will eventually um, be brought to a brand new area. They don't like mess up and all of a sudden, oh, they looped you right back. It's where you started. And oh, I've been here before. It's just kind of breadcrumb to breadcrumb. If you keep following it start to end, start to end, they keep leading you where they want. So you end up experiencing the whole map and all of the world in a very kind of organic yet random way. I hope that makes sense. But that would be my number two, the randomness and just the way they lead you through the map. What do you think makes Bethesda games amazing, David? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to probably repeat some of the stuff that you guys said, but I think a lot of the stuff like that we talk about here with map, large maps, and, you know, character generators and stuff, like other games do all of these things too. Um, and I'm honestly at the point where I'm kind of like, I've grown sick of your standard open world game, mm. but I'm still really excited for Starfield because to me their games just feel like a whole nother level um, because as they sort of, instead of evolving from like say i think most open world games kind of you could say their origin maybe was like grand theft auto 3 um which is like a whole different like type of thing um the heritage of bethesda goes back to first person crpgs mm. like you know might and magic eye of the beholder and things like that and what it seeks to do and what their games have always seek to do is to take that but like make it kind of playable for the average person because <laughs> a lot of these games are kind of you know they're they're so rpg heavy that your your standard gamer probably would be a little turned off by them mm -hmm. um and and because i think because of that they approach it from a different angle rather than just like this is a big world this has a lot of quests this has a lot of things to collect it's this sort of interactivity uh, that really comes from their rpg pedigree like that you can just pick up and place items anywhere and there's this level of like control that I feel in a Bethesda game and a level of immersion that I just don't really feel in other open world games, even if they have good character generators, even if they have like a big world with lots to do. There's something with that, I think, kinetic connection to your environment in Bethesda where you can you feel like you can pick up and touch almost anything around you. Um, and I think that to me is the Bethesda trademark more than anything is that I have field ch I have choice, I have depth, I have width of world and interactivity. And I think because they take so long with their games, I mean, another thing to bring up is that they don't release games very often. They really take their time. Um, most companies probably don't have the luxury to do that, which is another thing that makes them special. It's like, you know, they're gonna take five, six years to make something with depth. It might be buggy, but it's gonna be, it's gonna be something good eventually. Um, 
That's fantastic. And I don't think any other developer really has the capacity to really do that because they, for whatever reason, they got into that sort of rut of this is what we do as a company. Um, and I don't think it's viable for anyone else to really even try. Um, so it's definitely something special when they put out a game. I, I did, You bring up such an amazing point about we're hitting open world fatigue, right? And what if they are approaching Starfield at the perfect time where they can put their attention to detail, they're making a living, breathing world, and focus on the chunks that they want you to. I still think they'll have the problem of leading you there, right? Because there is that open space um, in between, but if they can get you there from, from a finely crafted, amazing, you know, living world to the next segment that feels that way to the next segment, that might work work out in their favor. And I did not think of that before. That's an, that's an excellent point. Um, I did want to bring up something that I think, if it wasn't for this, Bethesda wouldn't be where it is today. And that's VATS. Fallout and the VATS system, you know, set it apart, saved what I believe is otherwise poor combat you know a, a, a mediocre i would say but elevated it to this amazing mini game that just kept me kept me going and playing it's it's not as deep as i would like for those who don't know you know with the vat system you uh stop or slow time and then you zoom in on different areas of different enemies and you can select this one or that one and then what part of the body you'd want to hit and then you get a percentage chance as well based on your stats the weapon you're using, the attachments you have on it, everything um, comes together to increase or decrease your chances. And it, with some enemies, it doesn't make sense to shoot the head. They're armored there, so you shoot a leg, and then they'll slow them down. It was an amazing system to me, and endlessly fun. And I don't know if Fallout would have been what it is if it wasn't for that gem of a gameplay thing. And to a lesser extent, like, a B-side to this would be like something like the shouts and the advanced like magic things that evolve over time in Skyrim. So I would say they not stumble upon. They crafted some very awesome gameplay mechanics and elements into some of these games that are just iconic at this point. And I want more vats. Give me more vats, someone. Someone that if they have it in this game at all, they haven't mentioned it. I mean, I could totally see a targeting system thing. That's all I'm saying. Have we seen VATS at all? I only saw like running and gunning, unless I'm no, mistaken. I don't think so. Give me VATS. I, I, I don't. I think or something. I think like they it. want that to be Fallout's God thing. God damn it. Um, and I'm ho I'm hoping they mean that means that maybe they'll lean more into VATS and in Fallout Five because I didn't really like the combat in Four very much. Felt like they had it down in in Three in New Vegas, and they didn't really need to try to make it more run and gunny. I think Starfield should be the run and gun one, and keep Fallout more focused on VATS, mm -hmm. in my opinion. But. Which is funny because I feel like every Fallout game they've put out since Three has become less and less dependent on VATS. Four, you could still do it, but it didn't slow down time. Or yep. maybe maybe that was seventy six, but three you could literally aim your gun at somebody and shoot, and the bullet would go in a weird direction. At least, at least in four, if you aimed at somebody down the sights and you shot, your bullet would at least go straight. So it made it less of a need, whereas in three you kind of needed it more. So I don't know. I, I feel like if they're going to keep doing it, they got to bring it back because I feel like they've been kind of phasing it out a little bit. I mean, let's say they come up with something brand new that we haven't seen before. We'll talk about it in another episode, but there's this whole idea is 
is there another gameplay uh, mechanic maybe tied into combat that's not you know melee or what or sh- you know shooting projectile weapons maybe maybe there's something like you know space magic or whatever they they had teased uh, at the end of one of their videos so interesting clay anything else what's good what's unique what does bethesda do that nobody does any other thoughts yeah, I mean, there's a ton of other stuff. Uh, I think uh, companions uh, with, with, with unique mm. characters and, and personalities. I think Fallout 4 did a great job with that. Uh, I forget what his name is. Nick, uh, the robot guy, uh, like the detective robot, Nick. I can't yep. remember his last Valentine. name. Valentine. Valentine. He was awesome. Like, cool characters like that. You get a big, giant, uh, green alien guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I forget his name. I forget too. his name. I, I think yeah. he's Korg now, but he's not Korg because Korg is <laughs> right. Korg. That's somebody else. Yeah. Uh, just stuff like that where you get to team up with different people. You kind of choose if you want to be a good guy or a bad guy. You can kind of go and create chaos. Or you can try to be helpful and good. Like there's just a lot of you can create your character to be kind of what you want it to be. Uh, I think that's a big part of it. And then in the last episode, I hit on, on the thematic feel of a game. Fallout had all the this old school like 50s vibe. But it was also post-apocalyptic. Mm-hmm. You're listening to old, like classic music, and everything's black and white TVs, and 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 so that just screamed a lot of personality. Uh, Skyrim and and the Elder Scrolls is more just fantasy driven, so it's a little more straightforward. But it's like they've purposely taken uh, a style with this game where it's like it's kind of futuristic, but it's also kind of grounded in more of what we would refer to as like common day space like shuttles and things. And so mm-hmm. I'll be curious to see what the overall theme as far as, you know, if you find posters on walls, if there's music you can listen to, if there's, is there a radio? I guess I, I don't, I don't remember if they've announced anything like that. So like mm-hmm. some of that stuff where I feel like it gives it a lot, it makes it feel like you're in a real world that you're living in. So I'm curious to see how they handle some of those things. If there are cool companions and things like that. The radio stations and having there be multiple multiple of them and then great music or, you know, in-game news and stuff that you could listen to mm-hmm. in Fallout, like Three Dog and all that, like, it, it was great. And it added to that living, breathing world that, you know, we've all talked about and mentioned already. Um, in-game lore books, like, if you go to Elder Scrolls, you'll have literature that was written by someone in the history of that world that is also giving you a breadcrumb of gameplay or you know something that's located in the world like kind of a go find this or you will come across this later or something that will just deepen your understanding of the enemies you're you're facing or the factions in the world like the the world building is unmatched like you can go into you know fallout and find a computer terminal that's written from the perspective of an employee the day of the bombs fell and what they did and why the, you know, factory that you're in is in the state that it is. And they get that deep, like that type of writing and care and crafting, like there is a official timeline to these worlds and, you know, a universe of people who live in them and how were they affected by everything that was happening. And it kind of makes you feel like someone was there before you. You know, whether it was, you know, in Fallout or in, you know, Elder Scrolls and these games that are just like, you know, like someone was there before and someone will be there after you're gone. It's like very amazing to see it like 
living and breathing in that way. Day-night cycle, they have it. The stars, and there's actual constellations in the sky that move around. Like, it's it's the depth. Absolutely the depth. Um, well, we'll wrap it up. Um, something on the list that I had here that I think we didn't mention was, and David brought it up before, the freedom to kill any NPC, like, to that extent, but have the game not break. They introduced a thing in, I think it was Skyrim for the first time, where if you, you could break quests and they would just put in another NPC that would give you the begin and the end, like what you actually had to do. So you can keep getting quests. The game never actually ends. Um, there are just things that you can continually keep doing. So you, even though you can kill someone who just gave you a quest or you know rob every single vendor the game can technically continue and live on so the games never end and with something like starfield you know if they wanted to they could literally write anything in to make it bigger deeper longer and have you know dlc or seasons or whatever you want to do so they haven't mentioned anything about it but in today's day and age i wonder if they would you know take advantage of that you know, a lot of space to fill, if you would. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for this episode of Starfield Explorers. You can find more at megadads.org or Megadads on YouTube. Thank you for listening. We are so excited for Starfield. Should we start a countdown? Like, at this time of this recording, we are uh, just about a month and a week away wow. from the launch of Starfield. We'll talk about it in another episode, but we have to talk about our plans. What do we have planned for release day? Are we so giddy like we were with kids that we were taking off work and shit like that? Where we're just gonna, you know, get <laughs> get get an order a large pizza that arrives like right when the game's ready to, to play? Like, what are we doing? We'll talk about it later. Thank you everybody for listening. We'll see you next time as we travel the stars together.